0: And welcome to Worship Today. So glad you're here with us. If you're a guest with us today, uh, you're here on a real fun week. We are wrapping up a series that we have called Dumpster Diving. Uh, That's why I've still got my trash can here with me today. Uh, Just reminding us that all of us have a little bit of trash in our lives. Uh, Maybe trash from our past, maybe trash from the present, but we've got it. We've still got the Christmas tree here with us today, too, uh, reminding us that Christmas is coming. I hope what happens is every time you see that magnificent tree, you remember, oh, right. I'm supposed to be praying about who I'm going to invite with me this season to Christmas services. And maybe more than praying, maybe you're going to work on building that relationship. Maybe you're going to have them over to the house for dinner or something, meet them across the fence in the backyard so that you've laid the groundwork for that invitation. Uh, Also, uh, there are still opportunities to serve at Christmas. We need more people serving with our kids and welcome so that we can provide the experience we want to provide. Oh, yeah. Right. I'm also supposed to tell you, first things first is a lunch that we offer every couple of months for anybody who wants to get to know more about this church. And that lunch is happening today. So maybe you're new around here or maybe you've just never been and you want to know what kind of church this place is. Come to lunch today. The lunch will be directly below your feet. It's straight downstairs, gonna go down the stairs and then back. Uh, it's free, we have child care We would love to have you join us for lunch Talk a little bit about the church, answer your questions That Today, I, we, I, I'm told they ordered lots of extra food So even if you didn't register, just show up today for lunch We would love to have you there Alright, we're talking about trash And um, today as we wrap up this series I want to, I want to begin just a bit philosophically now, don't fall asleep all at once, okay? I know that you're tempted, but, but I do want to just, uh, I want to reflect on, on the philosophy of justice and mercy, and how these two interact. Justice, that sense that there is right and wrong in the world, and, and right and wrong matters, and then mercy, that notion that all of us have that, Wouldn't it be nice if we got a second chance? You know, wouldn't it be nice if somebody could let us off the hook every once in a while? I want to think about that philosophically with you just a minute. Because I've been thinking, I have no interest in the justice of people who don't care about mercy. You know, the kind that have a whole lot to say about the rules and regulations and what you should do and what you shouldn't do, but they never seem to talk much about second chances or giving people a break. The kind of people who celebrate, they sort of rejoice when they see somebody else get what they deserve. I have no interest in those kind of people. People who... Celebrate justice and care nothing about mercy. Uh, These are those who would say, your past and your present are a problem. And for you, that problem is a prison. Sometimes we say this to ourselves. We say, I am broken. I will never get over that stuff that I did Or that was done to me. My dumpster, the trash in my life. Oh my goodness, it is really full today. Holy mackerel, I hardly have to lean in. The trash in my life, we'll say, defines me. Sometimes we say that about ourselves. Sometimes people say it about others. They say, you are a failure. You are a loser. You are forgotten. The trash in your dumpster defines you. Sometimes even Christians get like this. I remember 20-some years ago, I was at a youth event, and some of the young adults who were, who were sponsors of the event were sitting around talking And um, they were talking about a situation in the news and a, a figure that we all knew. And one of them said, I hope he gets what he deserves. I just thought to myself, what a horrible thing to say. But I've heard a lot of Christians say things like that over the years. I hope they get what they've got coming. I've felt that way about people, about situations. But it's a horrible thought to see the trash in somebody else's dumpster and say, that's who they are, and I hope they pay for it. But I'm just, as for me, just speaking philosophically here, I have no interest in the justice of those who care nothing about mercy. Uh, For two reasons. Uh, Number one, this wasn't Jesus' approach. I love this story. John chapter 8. At dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. He sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, justice, you see, justice demands that we stone this woman. What do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis of accusing him. Jesus bent down and started writing on the ground with his finger. They kept questioning him. He straightened up and he finally said this. He said, let the one who is without sin... His point here is, anybody here who can live under that standard, the standard of justice without mercy, if you can live under that standard, then by by all means, throw the first stone. And he stoops back down, writes in the ground, and all those who had heard what he said began to go away one at a time, starting with the older ones first. Until it was just Jesus who was left with the woman standing there. Jesus stood back up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I tell you, the other reason that I have no interest in the justice of those who lack mercy is because if that were the standard, I'm done for, I'm destroyed, I'm, I'm out. If the people who say, I hope you get what you deserve, if they were to say that to me, I'm out. Because what I deserve is to be cast aside by God and forgotten. What I deserve is for my wife and kids to give up on me because I haven't been the, the father or husband that they deserve. What I deserved is for the church to, to, to give up on me because I'm not as hardworking as I should be. And for my friends to give up on me because I don't stay in touch like I wish I did. By that standard of justice without mercy, I am eternally separated from God. That's sort of the end of my story. On the other hand, I have no interest in the mercy of those who care nothing about justice. I have no interest in the mercy of those who care nothing about the very notion of goodness and holiness and purity and rightness in the world. These are those who would say, you're fine. You're fine. I'm fine. We're all fine. Everything's fine. There's no dumpster. And if there is, the trash is fine too. It's all beautiful. Your behavior is fine. Your desires are fine. Your self-understanding, your hopes, your dreams, your past, and your present, it's all fine. Those who speak of mercy without acknowledging justice, they act as if change isn't needed and it isn't possible. These are those who would say your past and your present are not a problem. Your past and your present aren't a problem. They're a prophecy. You are who you are, they would say. Just celebrate who you are. Everything about you as it is, including a dumpster, remarkably full. Everything about you is just what it is. They go to the trash of their lives and they say, yep, that's who I am. Not in the hopes that it would be repaired or replaced or redeemed or rescued or brought back to life, but just celebrating who they are just now today. This is, yeah, this is just me. With a voice that says there is no standard of holiness except for the standard of our own lives. We are the standard for our own lives. I I just, you know, I know I said we'd be a little philosophical this morning, but I'll just tell you, I have no interest. I have no interest in the mercy of those who do not care about justice. Uh, For two reasons. It's the same two reasons. Number one, it's not the standard of Jesus. 1 John writes, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But if we claim that we have not sinned, everything's fine. It's fine. You're fine. I'm fine. We're all fine. We make him out to be a liar. His word is not in us. Jesus says that our past and our present are not perfect. Both our past and our present are not fine. The second reason I have no interest, though, in this philosophical approach to justice and mercy is because, again, by this standard, I am lost. I remember as a little boy, my grandma used to say, uh, she used to say this. She used to say, without Jesus, people don't get better with age. They just become more like themselves. I wasn't sure exactly what she meant when I was little, but 30 years have passed and boy, I know what she means now, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? You meet a fella who's a curmudgeonly grump at 40. Don't you just think to yourself, oh, I fear for what he's gonna be like at 70. Holy mackerel. I know what the end of this story looks like. I mean, she's right. We don't get better with age. We get more like ourselves. And I tell you, when I hear that, that sounds like a threat to me. That is not what I want to happen to me. I don't want people to tell me I'm fine. You are who you are. Oh, that's just the way you are. You know, yeah, 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 that's it. Everybody's fine. I remember my freshman year of college, freshman year of college, Um, I was trying to impress a group of potential friends, right? The way you do when you're meeting people your freshman year of college. And so I told a lie so that I would impress them. That was honestly something that I did a lot back then. Told a lie so that I could impress them. Later that day, I was talking to a friend. He was a Christian. I hadn't met many Christians on campus yet. And I was kind of overcome by my shame for what I had just done. And so I told my friend, I said, man, I did the dumbest thing. I was trying to impress these people. They were all telling stories. Their stories were so cool. And so I told a lie about my life to try to impress them. And my friend said to me, it's fine. Everybody does that. Don't worry about it. I have no interest in those who speak mercy with no notion of justice. Because it wasn't fine. It wasn't who I wanted to be. If he was right that it was fine and I didn't need to worry about it, then we had just figured out that my present was a prophecy. That's just who I was. I was the guy who told lies to impress other people. You know, the guy about whom others would say, well, "That Ethan, he's always got a good story, but don't you know, take it with a grain of salt," you know. Ha <laughs> ha. As if we've just decided that that's I am the liar. That we've just given up on me. So I found another friend, and I told him. I told him the same thing. I said I just did the dumbest thing. And he said to me what I needed to hear. He said, Ethan, God is calling you to honesty. So what are you going to do? You want me to go with you? I'll stand next to you while you tell him. We talked for a while. He said, how about this? In three days, I'm going to track him down and tell him myself. Does that work for you? I was like, yeah, that, that'll do it. So I went and I told him that I'd lied to him. It did not go well. Like, I mean, it's not like we were never friends again, but it was a weird way to begin a friendship with these people. To tell them a lie and then 24 hours later go back and tell them I told them a lie? See, we think we want a world with no moral judgment, but that world just leaves us trapped in our trash no longer a prison, but now a prophecy that this this life of error and frailty that I live today, this is just who I am and who I will always be. Ironically, the world of the legalist and the world of the hedonist both leave us stuck with our pain and our sin and our damage and our weakness. So I have no interest In the justice of people who care nothing about mercy. And I have no interest in the mercy of people who care nothing about justice. I want Jesus. Because the mercy of Jesus is in fulfillment of all righteousness. And the righteousness, the justice of Jesus, overflows With his mercy. We could could summarize what Jesus teaches uh, different than what we've heard something like this Jesus teaches that your past and your present are a problem. You, like I, have a dumpster full of failure and regret and wound and sin and sorrow and shame, but they are not a prophecy. Your past and your present tell you about your past and your present. They do not tell you about your future. And they are not a prison. You are not trapped by your past. You are not trapped by your present. They are a prologue. They are chapter one of the glorious, miraculous work of healing and rescue and repair that God wants to do in your life. I love this little scene from Jesus' ministry. Uh, Luke five twenty seven. Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector. Tax collectors were notorious sinners. They were in league with the Romans. They were traitors to their own people. He meets a guy named Levi. He says to him, follow me. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Levi holds a great banquet for Jesus at his house. A large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to the sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? These are the legalists. They say, don't you know that their past is a prison? We already know who they are. We're just waiting for them to get what they deserve. And Jesus says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the, the center of, of just the most basic thing we Christians have to teach to the world. That our past is not a prison, that our present is not a prophecy, but that God wants to write a new future for our lives. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul, an early church leader, he wrote a letter to a church in Colossae. They made a bunch of copies of that letter and shared it with other churches because it was that good. And now that letter is a part of our Bible. Colossians chapter 3 says this, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. He's saying don't believe the people to say that that it's all fine. You're fine. I'm fine. That's just who you are. No, it is not who you are. It's brokenness that is, is weakening the image of God in you. Put it to death, he says. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the once life you once lived. That's part of your past, he says. Now, rid yourselves of such things as anger and rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. This is part of your present. Do not lie to each other. This is what I needed my friend to say. Ethan, do not lie. Why? Because you have put off the old self. And you have put on the new self. God is writing a new story in your life, Ethan. Don't abandon the new story to go back to your past. Go back to the prison. Let a new prophecy be set over your life. One that is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. He goes on, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised all these things that were that mattered in our past. All these things that that, that, that feel so important in the present, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, what is left is Christ all in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close yourselves now with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, forbearance, bear with each other, forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Do you hear there how inseparable the justice and mercy of God are? You cannot pull them apart. You could not go back through that verse and say, I only want to read the verses that, that, that talk about how, how you know, God has a standard of holiness that we fall short of. But I don't want to read any of the verses about how God loves us. Or I only want to read the verses about how God loves us, but, but I don't want to hear about a standard of holiness. No, they're, they're completely intertwined. This is the justice and mercy I need. And, and the guy who wrote that letter to that church in Colossae, he knew what he was talking about. He had himself quite a path. And he met God in the middle of a present moment that everybody thought was a prophecy. Everybody who would have looked at the life of Paul would have said, Oh, we know what that guy's going to do for the rest of his life. Chase down Christians and kill him spew hatred at his enemies, spew, spew lies against those he disapprove of. That's the rest of his life. We can tell because it's how he spent yesterday. It's how he's spending today. And it's how he plans to spend tomorrow. His past is a prison. His present is a prophecy. Everybody knows how his story ends. And yet he wrote to his protege this, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. He says, that was my past. And there was even a day on which it was my present. And everybody who saw me knew that my past was a prison and my present was a prophecy. But I was shown mercy. Mercy. Because I acted in ignorance and unbelief, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display his immense patience. Paul says that when we begin to recognize that our past is not a prison, our present is not a prophecy, but it is the prologue for the work of God, that very work of God in us becomes a declaration of the glory of God. Paul would in other letters say, I brag about my trash. I love to tell people all the trash in my life. Because when I brag about my trash, what I am really doing is bragging about the mercy of my God. He says, this is why I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. His past, became a prologue by which he could declare the promise-keeping work of God who promises to heal and restore and repair. His past was not a prison despite what those who know only judgment and no mercy would say. His present was not a prophecy despite what those who know only mercy and no sense of judgment, no sense of justice would say. Instead, it was the prologue for the miracle of God. He boasted about it. And this, what God did for Paul, that's what God wants to do in your life. That's the thing. Your past and your present are not a prison. You are not bound to receive what you deserve. Your past and your present are not a prophecy. You are not stuck in your present state, whether it's a state of grief or suffering or sin or rebellion or shame or sorrow. You may feel stuck. You may even say you're stuck. But God says you're not. God says that give your life to him. Trust in the mercy of Christ. And all of that, past and present, becomes the prologue to the future that God has designed for you to live. In my own life, all of my best stories are those places where God has turned my past into a prologue. I have so many stories, just like Paul's. And I'm embarrassed to say that all of my greatest embarrassments are those places where I have allowed the mistakes of my past or the patterns of my present, the weakness of my present, to become a prison or a prophecy. I say to myself, well, that's what I did. I'll never live it down. I say to myself, that's who I am. That's just the way I am. That's just how I roll. It's just what I do. Not proud of it. It's just, just who I am. Nothing to be done. As if, as if my God is not strong when I'm weak. As if my God can't repay every debt that I owe. As if my God cannot heal what is broken. As if my God cannot make a way where there is no way. As if my God cannot conquer death itself. I just want you to know, I have been in this dumpster diving journey uh, with with you all. I've been doing the devos. I've been reading the lessons. I've been doing all the same things. I've I've been listening to my own sermons. I had to listen to them more often than you do. I have to listen like 10 times. And I want you to know today, I am believing today that my past is not a prison. I am believing today that my present struggle, my present weakness is not a prophecy about the man I must be for the rest of my life. I believe I can be a different man, a redeemed man, a reformed man, a healed man. I think that is the future. My present is not a prophecy. Instead, I am believing that it is the prologue to the promises that God will keep in my life as I surrender to Jesus. And I believe absolutely the same for you with every fiber of my being. Week after week, I have dragged this trash can on stage so that I and you could not pretend that there's no trash in our lives. And... So that we could reconsider the power of God in our lives. We began this series. We read a bunch of verses from the stories of the Gospels. Where Jesus talks about the need for repentance. That we must turn from the way we're going to follow after him. Why? Why does Jesus talk so much about repentance? If there were justice without mercy, repentance would not make sense. It would be too late. If there were mercy without justice, repentance would not make sense. It wouldn't be needed. Why does Jesus talk about repentance? So that you don't get stuck. So that your past does not become a prison. So that your present does not become a prophecy. I want you to know the spirit of God, the power of Christ, and the people of this church will stand with you so that you might begin to experience the glory of God in your life. We will not be the false friend that I had who said, ah, don't worry about it, everybody lies. Nor will we be the cruel legalist who says, ah, you get what you deserve. We will stand with you and believe a future for you where your past is not a prison, where your present is not a prophecy. I want to give you one real specific thing, just real practical. Some of you, you aren't going to know, you want to write this down until after I've explained it, so just write it down just in case. Type it into your phone just in case, okay? Just in case. Um, we've got a little resource page. If you go to fcc-jc.org dumpster, all the resources for this whole series are on that page, because some of you, you're, this series is over this week, but some of you aren't done with this. So you've got to work on this some more. Okay, it's all up there. And if you scroll down all the way, you're just gonna, you know, if you're on your phone, you just got to do this about 40 times or you know, scroll the little mouse thing, you you scroll all the way to the bottom, there's a little box that says more resources. And you're going to click on that box and it's going to tell you about uh, groups that will help you if you're stuck in grief, groups that will help if you're stuck in sexual sin, groups that will help if you're stuck in addiction, groups that will, if your marriage needs help, well, okay, I couldn't even list all the different ways we want to partner with you and ally with you. I just want to I want to dare you to give God a chance to save your life, to reset the trajectory of everything you're on. It is a lie that you are trapped by your past with a debt you can't pay. God can pay it. I mean, I guess it's true you can't pay it, but God can pay it. It is a lie that you are stuck in your present and that your present struggle is a prophecy about your whole future. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Your past failure in business or as a parent or a spouse, your past failure in purity or humility or honesty, your past greed, your past arrogance, your past lust, without the power of Christ, it is a prison. But with the power of Christ, it's just the first clause of a sentence about glory and redemption and hope and honesty and possibility and fidelity and healing. Put God to the test. Trust in Jesus and see if he won't redeem what you think is unredeemable. And your present, some of you have decided that your present situation is a prophecy about the rest of your life and your eternity. That's what you decided. Because somebody told you that. You're just fine. It's just the way you are. You are what you are. You're just going to live your truth, you know. Your present is not a prophecy. It's merely your present. Your present general meanness to everybody you know that we're all sick of. That's not a prophecy about how you have to live the rest of your life. It's the prologue. For when you get on your knees, repent of being such a grump, and become this person of kindness and joy to everybody you meet, your present indifference to God and cynicism to His love, that is not a prophecy of the way you have to die. It's the prologue to a life of profound and rich faith. You are never too old or too young to decide that your present will not be a prophecy. Your present greed is the prelude to generosity. Your present pattern of sexual immorality, maybe you're in some relationship, you're just kind of stuck in this circle of sexual immorality. That is the prologue to a story of chastity. That's the way it is. It's the first sentence of a story about chastity and obedience. You aren't stuck. God will make a way out if you will merely ask God to lead you somewhere. You are not the sum of your mistakes. You are not the totality of your desires and failures. You are the one Christ died for. I'm going to pray for you right now. And honestly, I'd really love a chance to pray with you. After I pray while we sing, I'm going to be over there. And I just want to be clear, some of you have been stuck in your presence so long and some liar told you that your present was a prophecy and you believed them? And today you need to chase Jesus who says they're wrong, who says my justice and my mercy are so intertwined you couldn't pull them apart and you wouldn't want to because that is what grace looks like and is the only path to healing. I'm going to pray for you. And I'll be over there and I'd love to pray with you if today's the day you need to chase the kind of healing Jesus wants to do in your life. Let me pray for you right now. Gracious God, some of us are trapped today by our past. It has become a prison for us and we want free. We believe that you will pay the debt we cannot pay. Some of us are trapped today by our present. We, we, have, we have somehow come to believe that our present struggle, our present suffering, our present reality is a prophecy about what the rest of our life is going to be like. As if you had not died and risen. As if your strength were not powerful in weakness. God, right now, give us this faith to believe, to trust, to test your mercy. And for those who need to make a decision today, God, I pray that they will not be held back. that They will shake off the shackles of foolishness and they will choose to take a step toward you today. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen.